0: All right, Vanessa, uh, dedication time. So I hope you thought of one. What would you like to dedicate the episode to?
1: Uh, I'm going to dedicate this episode to my uh, feature film, Witch, which just got distribution on Amazon. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, and it's available on Blu-ray and DVD. It's going to be streaming really soon. So I felt like that was a, an apt uh, dedication.
0: We'll definitely put the link up because you have it on your ARC's. For commenter yep. website we we'll yep. definitely put the link if they want to find it awesome yeah and, but it's
1: under recent projects and there's a button which i did myself because i figured out squarespace <laughs> uh for where to rent and buy it <laughs> okay
0: wonderful and it's called witch not the witch Is just, witch. just yep. witch okay well i don't clarify mm-hmm. awesome Okay, we're back with Vanessa. How are you doing?
1: Ah, great. Okay,
0: uh, so... you go by. You have a lot of names. I do have a lot. You lot of have a, names. It's pretty full. <laughs> Twenty-eight letters. Twenty-eight. If you letters.
1: Say it all. Vanessa McGowan Horrocks Powers. I'm glad
0: you said She's it. She's got right. a full alphabet and then some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you just like sign checks like V M H P?
1: Ah, then... uh, V and then M H Powers. It's like right. George R R Martin or J R R Tolkien. Like double middle initial. It's kind of a power move. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I had a, have a cousin. Her name was Vanessa, and all, oh, yeah. her, fr- all her friends call her Nessie.
1: Oh boy. No, My sister you used to call me that. My friends call me V. V? Just V. Yep. That works. Yeah. It, tri- it actually used to drive me nuts, um, but I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> Everybody used to call me Nikki
0: too, and that bothered Ooh, me. Oh, that's. Mm. See, Nikki's like, that's kind of, that's for a girl, right? Yeah. That's like Nicole. Right?
1: I feel like nicknames are like really great if you consent to them, but sometimes you don't and they just stick anyway
0: right yeah so you did the movie witch yes and i want to bring it up because i did a little research on the origins of witches did you know they actually were the first like craft brewers that's what the kind of they were like the village (laughs) they made the beer oh that's hilarious and that's why the the families were afraid of them because they would make the beer they entice the men to come and they would never come home or they get lost or and and
1: they'd come home acting really strange strange (laughs) yeah
0: but they were the original brewmasters if you do extensive research that's where a witch came from
1: that's so cool i and
0: didn't the, actually like, know a that craft beer because the hat is look awkward. yeah and, then, and that was kind of like your signature from making the middle middle time middle oh. uh, dark ages you were the actually the craft beer the women were
1: that's amazing because they had
0: like secret recipes and all that stuff oh and yeah and
1: then pass them down through the family and yeah <laughs> nowadays like,
0: if you want to run a craft brewery you have to have a beard but
1: yeah yeah well <laughs> beer beard they sound similar yeah. that sort of works out so uh, not
0: only have you made movies, but you do a, a variety of stuff in films because you've had, you've done like acting, editing and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have uh, I started out in acting um, and then editing originally just sort of by default because I had self taught myself on a Mac to edit. Um, and then that ended up being what I studied when I went back to school for a film. But yeah, I've acted, I've edited, I've produced, I've... Costumed, I've directed, I've uh, AD'd is something I get paid to do. Um, Script advisor is something I get paid to do. Um, uh, casting, uh, mostly just for friends' projects, but I'm a little bit of a, a Jill of all trades as far as film goes. <laughs> well,
0: the only reason I bring it up is because not only because if you research, you're, you're not exclusively one thing, but I think it's something that if you, when you work independent films, mm-hmm. you have to know, get the variety of. Yeah, stuff to familiar with.
1: Yeah, in DIY, you definitely wear a lot of hats uh, <laughs> and and switch hats on the same set on the same day. And if the you same walk onto minutes. a
2: film set, you're just like you. I mean, if you walk onto a film set with nothing planned for the day, you will have something to do by the end of that day. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I have never been on a film set for more than twenty minutes where it's like. I'm not going to do anything. Oh, you need help. Okay. You know? Yeah. Or like
1: I have friends who aren't who aren't necessarily film folks or aren't like trained in anything. And they're like, well, if I come, would that be helpful? And I'm like, yeah, there'll be stuff to do.
2: No. Yeah. My first day on a set was just like someone handed me a boom and I was like, what do I do? And they're like, just hold it. Oh, I. (laughs) Right. I can be the guy who holds it while you tell me where to move it. (laughs) Sound is one of those
1: places that I am totally useless because I am half deaf in my right ear. So I'm like, yeah, sounds great.
2: (laughs) Sounds good on my end. How did that happen? I ended up.
1: I had a bunch of ear infections when I was a little kid okay. and then no one actually told me about it until like high school and you had to do those ear tests where you raise your hand and yeah. I was like mom I always do so bad on these and she's like well you had all those ear infections and I'm like what? So uh
3: <laughs> People, just thought, you, people just yeah, thought you. Literally, I any was attention. like, "What? Yeah."
1: Um, so, me and sound do not get along. That's like one of the things that I cannot, cannot, cannot do. I'm even, I'm even occasionally found like behind a camera or holding a light. But sound is the one. It's like the final frontier. Like,
2: can I trade with someone? Yeah. Like, get, like, find anyone else to take this. Porsche literally,
1: with? anyone else should do this. So it's not nothing
2: me. like a hearing aid would help at all.
1: No, it's it's like a really specific because I went in and got te- like tests for it and it's like a really specific sort of band of decibels or i don't you know i don't quite know how to measure it um but it's mostly like in a crowded space i will have a hard time picking out your voice from all the other voices so that would be so you
0: can't you hear something about how picking up things in stereo yeah yeah well
1: because if i turn my left ear to you i can hear great and then i turn the other one or like when when i was in college they just put out those like Japanese cell phone sounds that were like for people under 25 to send text messages to each other. Oh yeah. We love that
0: when kids did that. Right. (laughs) And,
1: uh, and uh, all my friends were like listening to them. And if I turned my left ear to the laptop, I could hear it. And if I turned my right ear to the laptop, I couldn't hear it. So does that
0: affect them? when you make movies because I mean like not really or you no
1: are- well I you know I work with good sound people and I like right, hey does yeah. it sound yeah. good yep yeah.
2: okay it's a very I, trusting relationship there I Right. <laughs>
1: well I think the biggest sh- sh- the only time it's maybe a struggle is like when I'm editing and I'm doing my own leveling I'm like can okay. you hear that can you hear that and everyone's like I can hear it fine I'm like oh, i got to turn it up a little more <laughs> so it's uh maybe leveling my sound a little more by like the decibels than by what yeah. I hear personally
0: my father-in-law got one of those cochlear implants years ago and they told him you're not gonna like it and he's like why I going to hear it he's like you're so used to it. you've been deaf for so long that yeah. you're not gonna like this it's gonna bother you and he would just get mad and he's like, I can
1: hear the toilet paper in my butt. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> or this yeah, was no, a secret. my <laughs> my husband was trying to explain to me the sound of snow falling and I've never heard that. Really? Yeah. Hmm.
0: And you still know?
1: No. Maybe if I listened with my left ear. But. Yeah.
0: Well, I think people if they don't live in winter don't realize how sound travels different in yeah. snow. It's mm. more far more compact. So the distance. It's far more isolated. So if you scream, it's not going to go as farther in yeah. the winter than it was
2: in the summer.
1: Yeah, I mean, s- winter has sort of a profound silence about it that's really
2: ah, I love lovely, it. Disturbing, yeah. disturbing at times too.
1: I love <laughs> like I I one of one of my many day jobs I've had in support of my film career is coffee shops. Yeah, and so when you wake up to open, so it's like four thirty, and you go out in winter, and there's like no cars, and there's snow, and it's just quiet, and it's like. It's actually really cool. Mm. I think it's really cool. So
0: I appreciate signing this more as I get older. Yeah. <laughs> I have. I have. Uh, yeah. So with film, mm. when did it start for you?
1: About when I could hold a camera and a Barbie doll at the same time. Is that really true? Yeah. Uh, my parents had one of those little mini VHS tapes that you like put in the big VHS tape to adapt to be able to play them. Yeah. They had one of those cameras and I remember having one of those and having like my barbies and trying to act out i think a murder mystery um with barbies and with my camera uh, so Come on, Barbie. This is take 40. Yeah. You still have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like me and my neighbor and we kept, I remember we kept calling the Barbies the wrong names because all Barbies looked the same or they looked the same at that time. Right. Um. And so we're like, oh, this is Tiffany. No, this is Amber. Um. And yeah, but that's literally the first time I can remember making a movie was, I think I was like seven or eight.
0: Um, there's so many people we've had as guests that it started when they were kids.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. and I, I can remember the movie Matilda, when that came out. Okay, I yeah. read a a little book that talked about the making of the movie. And so much of it stuck out to me because I was a really artistic kid. I liked to draw, I liked to make costumes for my beanie babies. Like I was always making something or writing storybooks or um and so hearing about that someone put together what that house looked like and hearing about they let Mara Wilson who played Matilda make her own doll and that they had her make it from like magazines and cookbooks and things that the mom would have in her house right because her parents wouldn't have given her art supplies and just hearing the thought process or reading about the thought process behind all those things was so interesting to me even when I was that young thinking about that there were people who put together a movie, that a movie wasn't just something that like popped into existence. Um, I remember having that
0: thought when I was like three, right? I might be in a movie and I don't know about it. Right. (laughs) There's so many, I may be, you know, I, that's how I thought movies are made, you know? Yeah. Like I
1: could just turn around and there'd be a camera. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I, I found going through some of my papers, a letter that i had written to the cast of buffy the vampire slayer uh because you wrote a letter to i wrote a letter and i not an email like a little uh, handwritten in like a (laughs) notebook nice um and in the in the letter i'm like asking questions about what it's like to film fight scenes and what it's like to film love scenes and when you get sad in the show like is it hard to not feel sad when the camera stops rolling and like i was asking these like questions about filmmaking this
0: is all when you're a kid Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: um movies were just really big in my household my family would do like friday night pizza and movies um so we'd uh we'd like go to karate because we all were in karate and then we'd get pizza and then we'd watch movies and also my parents let me watch some pretty like i watched alien when i was like six um and i remember seeing like heavy metal when i was like eight The animated animated movie heavy metal Yeah. yeah so i watched a lot of like grown-up movies when I was a little kid. And I remember also, like, my parents, we would talk about them. It wasn't just like, we watched a movie, oh, that was a good movie, let's go to bed. It was like, oh, that was a good movie. What did you like about the movie? Why did you like that part of the movie? Like, you know, so I think in really rudimentary film theory discussions of the movie, And they're we they were they were liberal
2: on Friday nights. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. remember what you said about heavy metal?
1: <laughs> I like, I always liked badass women you know even even like there was plenty of those even being like seven watching that movie like I liked the 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 you know I liked that the girl was the one with the sword I liked that um she was the one riding the dragon and you know even if I didn't comprehend sort of some of the other aspects that were like more adult (laughs) um I liked that you know, the girl was one with the sword. And when I watched Disney, except for Mulan, mm-hmm. the girls were never the ones with the swords. Yeah. So I I remember liking that, even if I probably a lot of it went over my head. <laughs> Did you
0: ever like ever seen a heavy metal magazine?
1: Uh, yeah. No, I well, I used to go to comic book. So then fast forward to high school and I discovered anime. And so I went to a bunch of comic book shops yeah. and I would always see the heavy metal magazines there. Um, but that was like,
0: you know, because, you know, you're. I hit my teenage phrase, like, you're superheroes, right? Yeah. And then there's heavy metal. They're like, dude, I'm graduating to heavy metal now. Yeah. Yeah. That's moving <laughs> up in the world. <laughs> right, enough of this. This is for kids and heavy yeah. metal and then the animation stuff. and Because it's totally different from the superhero stuff. Yeah. Or the other. And yeah. it's still a comic book format.
1: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But it's a little more daring. It's a little more fun. Mm-hmm. You see a whole different world that you didn't ever see in the comic book world. Definitely. Yeah. Did you, um, through... Would you wanted to do animation also?
1: So, a- animation is sort of how I got my start in film. When I mentioned I'm a okay. self taught editor, so my f- I I liked Japanese anime um, a lot, and so first there was like the discovery that that was Japanese and not American, which was like whoa, whoa mind <laughs> right. blowing.
2: Um, Worlds collide, and <laughs> after
1: that, it was the realization that people turned those into English things right they they dubbed them over and so the first editing I ever did was that my friends and I would do fan dubs of Japanese films voice um, up, you did your own we voice did our up. own voiceovers yep uh and we did regular ones and we also did parody ones um and parody ones parody dubs were like the place that I got my start showing things to an audience because we went to an anime convention with our parody dub on VHS. And when I was 14, we screened it in like the 18 plus room. Uh, And I was like in a room that I wasn't even allowed to be in showing these like college students this film. Um, And they laughed at it. And I think that was the first like, oh, this is really neat. like (laughs) I like like this. Um, So, but that was the first thing that I taught myself to edit was was animation. parody dubs and and uh fan dubs of japanese anime
0: hmm. do you still watch animation
1: uh i do i i'm a bit of a hipster i don't like a lot of the new stuff coming out but i i have yeah. definitely some classics and some favorites from from older older stuff yeah
0: it's still you still so you have some animation still on vhs I do, actually. Yeah. Kids <laughs> these days with are yeah,
1: Blu-rays. Yeah, uh, they're Crunchyroll <laughs> and they're streaming. streaming. Yeah. I remember when I had to wait 15 days to download 15 minutes of a movie, you know. they sure what a Netflix right, is. Yeah. Which is not actually better for the record. Uh, <laughs> I think it's great that people have more access to stuff. but
0: Well, we talked about it with, our, I think Andrew Hunt was on, we talked mm-hmm. about how the changeover from streaming to a copy yeah. is people don't have patience anymore when you stream something and you don't pay for it you watch five minutes like i'm not interested or you watch like the irishman ah, that's an hour and i'm done yeah or if you rented it and you had a copy you were fully invested i'm gonna wait i'm gonna finish this movie because i paid such yeah, and such definitely yeah, yeah. so there, there's a give and take obviously free access more access but we lose a lot of patience with it
1: yeah i mean i think so but i think too i think some of that is just so like i the other thing that i've started to do recently that I really enjoy is um, I taught last summer at a film camp for um, middle school and high schoolers in Georgia and I think the thing that it reminds you is that it is really easy to kids these days and make these blanket statements about patience or about what they're being taught by things and I think the biggest thing that I experienced getting to make art with kids and getting to sort of facilitate them making the art that they're interested in making is that it's not, they know how to work hard. They know how to wait for stuff. They know how to, they know how to do those things. It just doesn't look the same way it looked when we were doing it. And so we don't always identify it. You know, I think it's really easy to say they're not doing it at all instead of trying to, Accept that you're old and look at the way that they're doing it now. You no, know?
0: I, I, mm-hmm. I shepherd enough school dances now where I just like, I can't believe I'm acting like how the teachers did when I'm at the school. Right. Dance. Like, this is music to you guys. This is not music. Let I me mean, right. teach right. you kids that right. a mashed potato. And <laughs> it doesn't
1: mean I have to like the new music, but I yeah. can't look at the new music and say that's not music because it right. is to them. I, right do, I do
0: get a chuckle because I tell them, you know you know, when you're in the nursing home, they're going to play Baby Shark.
1: Right. Like, oh, when I was well, a kid. I remember this song. Because when Biden I'm going to be in
0: the nursing home, they're going to be like, run, they're going to play run DMC <laughs> <laughs> and two live crew and they're like yeah, I just gotta make it to baby shark yeah, days that yeah. sounds like a great way to go got
1: some some backstreet boys on the oldies station you know
0: but it's right I don't think y- you change I don't think kids necessarily change accessibility and technology is yeah advanced. but they're still they're the kids they're learning they're doing creative obviously they're doing fantastic stuff right
1: and I think for me I try to think about so when I was 14 and making parody dubs or the, the films that I made in high school because I did yeah. um They were. I'm sure they were just garbage. I watch them now, and I'm pretty sure they were garbage. Um, And I had adults watching them, and and not lying to me, but identifying things about them that were good. And I think that like if I hadn't had that, would I be here doing this? And so, you know, I think that like we gotta do our best to look at what teenagers are doing, and even if we don't get it, say something good about it. Find something. That, that we can focus on, that they can focus on, that they can improve on, you know?
0: Right. I, I John Hughes said, well, I think John Hughes, I think he made great movies because he just listened to kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we well, should do it this way. Okay. I mean, yeah. a 30-year-old guy making teenage movies, and right. I think he made them good because all he did is sit and listen. This, what do you want? What should we do? Right. And they put their input. I think mm-hmm. I should wear this. This is what the fashion is. The, he listened to the kids.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Even though it looks like a teenager made them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a teenager who got some money to make a movie which I didn't get when I was a teenager. <laughs>
1: oh no, not at all. Not at all.
2: So was it always going to be this way? When
0: you're even when you're kid, you were going to do movies? Uh,
1: so I in in high school, I grew up in Hutchinson, which is it's like a suburb that exists within a circle of 40 miles of corn. Um Right. And so yeah. you sort of—that's of, a good analogy, right? <laughs> right. right. It's well, a I don't suburb, want, but
0: it's way over right. Because I don't want to—I don't
1: want to say it's like a tiny town because it—it it wasn't. I mean, kids did get to leave school early when we were like in harvest. It was a farm town, but it was a suburb. You know, we had right. a Walmart. Like they well, were like,
0: kids driving their four-wheelers to school?
1: Uh, no, but tractors sometimes. Right. <laughs> um And so, but it was a—it was a suburb in the middle of nothing. Right.
0: I think it's like a mixture of s- right out in the woods. Yeah, and, supper, right? and
1: so you like did meth, or you found something else to do.
2: So you found something else to do, <laughs> so right? I found, okay, you know, we <laughs> just want to make sure that we get the through line here. I, no, I
1: did meth, and I found something else to do. No, uh, yeah. So my <laughs> friends and I, you can uh, do both. We made we made movies, which right. as a long term habit, it turns out might be more expensive, but. Um,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. I think it yields yeah. better results though. yeah you know I'd more like expensive so. yeah. but you get more out of so, it so
1: yeah we made movies and we made like a movie every i don't know three months for the entire time of my high school Dorian. life yeah. um and we did theater together and um i also did sports uh and so i made my first like 45-minute movie when I was 17. Um, That's
0: massively impressive. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that also, like, I got some of just the... Like, you know, talk about film school movies. Like, everybody's got a gun and everybody's on drugs. And, like, (laughs) when people get to film school, those are the kinds of movies that they make. And, like, I got all those out of my system. Doing this in high school so that when I went to film school, I was like, I'll make a movie about maybe something that I can feasibly do a good job with. Um, instead of just being so excited to make a movie that you kind of go full ham. Um, so I did, yeah, film all through high school, but I originally went to school for acting um, a, a, uh, for a theater degree. Okay. Um and got about halfway through that and even like started getting some paid acting work and then was like, oh gosh, like if I do this for a job, like I don't get to pick the roles I want. I have to pick the roles that are going to pay me. And I don't, I don't get to, you know, have the flexibility and I don't, uh, you know, I don't get to be a creator in the ways that I was sort of accustomed to. And, and then sort of was like, wow, I don't want to do that. And then uh, like the year after that, spent some time focused on directing within the theater program. Sure. Um and then uh dropped out and didn't do any theater for about 5 years and kind of refocused on film coming out of that because I didn't do I I acted in some films in college, but I didn't make any films in college. Um, okay,
0: cuz you did in high school but you didn't do
1: anything. Yeah, it was like high school and then I went to college and was like I'm going to be an actor now and really focused on that. Um so doing it on film and then doing it in, in theater and then sort of hit a wall with that. And I was like, well, I guess I'll direct because um, one of my friends uh, in my playwriting class submitted her like student written show to the student run theater at the U. And so we co-directed that. And that kind of reignited an interest in directing for me and um, took some directing classes. But but sort of at the end of all of this, like up and down and guessing and going from a small town to a big city, I just felt so burned out and kind of lost and kind of like, what am I doing? Um, So I dropped out of the U and like managed at a coffee shop and did film um, with, with a lot of focus again, uh for like four years before I went back to school for film so
0: you kind of did what I did when I was in college because I went for fine arts Mm -hmm. degree and I had a minor in art history and then you come out and you're like you're completely dizzy yeah because you are like I got all this knowledge and all this stuff to want to be a teacher yeah my pursuits I got all these interests and all this stuff and I'm sure Kylie had the kind of the same thing I'm still doing it
2: (laughs) 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 I think in order to be an artist you got to ask yourself at least once a month what am I doing yeah what am I
1: doing right yeah (laughs) certainly certainly and I think that like I guess I just maybe it's like it seems weird to like freely be like oh yeah well that went poorly but I think that there's this like thing that artists do which you're not doing which is great but like where they're like oh yeah I always knew and it was great and it was perfect and everything always went well for me because they don't want to admit that like I'm a human and sometimes I have doubts and sometimes I struggle and I think that like As an artist, it's also important to be like, yeah, sometimes it sucks. Like sometimes I'm not doing it because it's fun. Sometimes I'm doing it because I already said I was going to do it. And here I am in the middle of it. And you get through it and you're always happy to have done it. But I don't think there's any value in pretending that it's always easy or that it's always like a straight, clear path.
2: Because all you're going to do is make it harder then. You're just going to, I mean, you're going to relate everything to the fake image in your mind of how it went. Like I have this thing once a month, I guarantee at least once a month that I call like a reboot day, which is like I go to bed one night going like, everything's just trash. Like nothing's going to work. And then like I wake up and it's like a Monday morning where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take that. I'm going to get going again. Like, you know, it happens at least once a month where I go to bed and go, whatever. It's all nothing. And then I right. say, the I'm like, like, I'll apply for
1: a receptionist position tomorrow. And then I wake up and I'm like, not doing that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that, you know, I think Mark, that
0: after my college and doing fine arts degree in art history, I just did a factory job. And I yeah. meticulously outdrank drank myself in my 20s. That's what took so long. In my, I'm in my 40s now. Now I'm doing what i always wanted to do. And yeah. I should have done as a kid. But yeah, it took. sometimes you're just not going to take the direct path. And sometimes it's even better.
1: Right. I think that you, I, you know, I, <laughs> when I had my heart broken for the first time uh, and I was like, 18, um, crying my eyes out on my parents' bed, and they're like, "Well, you're going to be a better artist from this." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that that's true. I think that, I think that, like, b- you know, being human is what lets us tell really wonderful, really human stories. Well, like, Ari Aster mm-hmm.
3: had
0: a massive breakup, and he made Midsummer on it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's right? like, if I'm going to be depressed, everyone
2: else is going to be yeah. depressed. <laughs> feel my pain, bitch. <laughs> um, so yeah, I
1: think that you know. Being human is great. Being humans, what's making all so about, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Are you comfortable writing?
1: Uh yeah, I write a lot of the stuff that I make. Okay. Um, I, I, everyone asked me like if I like to do that, and I, I, I would love. Right, to, that's what
0: kind of what I'm, you. I mean, yeah. You said you like visual, but it's like almost like a necessity.
1: Yeah, I will. So which, um, I didn't write. That was as I said, it was based the on a movie, which. Yeah, it was based on a book. Um. And I, I've done a couple other things that other people wrote, but I just find that, like, you know, I don't have anyone beating my, down my door with scripts, and so if I want to make stuff, I have to come up with it myself. And yeah. I think that sometimes I do really enjoy writing. Um, I think I have good ideas.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I kind of meant asking because you want to make your own movies. Are you mm-hmm. going to use somebody else's script or your own? And then, okay, now I have to write it. Yeah, I, to- I
1: mean, I'm I'm happy doing either. I think working on someone else's script, uh, you always. It's always a learning experience. It's always, you know, collaboration is great. The more creative oh, yeah. forces in going into something. Um, but I think also like if if the stories that you want to tell aren't coming to you uh in some other way, then write the stories that you want to tell. And I I think that I'm a good writer. I'm I'm, you know, people usually are excited about the scripts that I send. So, yeah, I, I like writing as well. Um, but I'm also always open to to Working on something, some something that someone would bring to me,
0: right? Yeah, is editing a something that you think is a strength or just something that you need to do?
1: Ah. Uh- a good editor definitely
0: uh i i met some people that love to direct and it's almost like giving birth to a baby and like here you take care of it yeah
1: (laughs) well i you know i'm like a i'm a director editor which is i've i've tried having other people edit my my stuff and it's all right it's just one of those things where like if you're using the baby metaphor like you who knows your baby better than you you know right yeah Mm -hmm. and i think it requires you to be honest with yourself in terms of like oh, we spent four hours taking this one shot and then you get there in the editing room and you're like, this shot looks like crap. Like, you have to be willing to say, fuck those four hours. Sorry, screw those four (laughs) hours. Um, That's fine. uh, You know, this shot's bad. We're not going to put this shot in. And I think that if you're not able to do that, it's not good to edit your own work because you they you have to kill your darlings, right? I read somewhere yeah. that like if if you're a director editing your own work and there's something you're keeping in there just because you like it, it's the first thing you should cut. Um, and I think that that's true. Um, but I think as an editor, I'm a good editor and I, and I edit other people's work well. Um, I think it's something that initially. I think it's
0: a lost talent. Yeah, I think it's a it's something that people kind of neglect, but you need to have a nice smooth story. Yeah, well, I'm
1: going to I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite here because uh, I edit my own work. But there's a lot of people who are like, I edit my own stuff. There's cinematographers. I edit my own stuff. There's directors. I edit my own stuff. And I think when you can, if you can find that person who's a good editor for your work specifically, uh, it's great to have another set of eyes in the editing room. I think that to have to have someone who can put it through that filter if you can't put it through that filter because i think you know they they say that you write a movie three times once in pre-production once in production and once in post-production but that can really be true um with with which uh which is the feature that this ep- episode is dedicated to um we got so creative in post-production uh the first the first draft of the film that we put together which was in the order that the script was, okay. it, it was not a movie. It was a series of disconnected scenes featuring the same characters. Right. And I was like, it was like a total all hands on deck panic. I mean, it was like, oh my God, we I just we spent...
0: All these pe- puzzle pieces together.
1: Right. right. And it yeah. was like, oh my God, we just spent a month making something that's not a movie.
0: She
2: had a reboot day. She, yeah, she went on.
1: Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no and I, I invited over the art director and like one of the actresses and we watched it, and it was like, you know, that It's Always Sunny meme with the string. <laughs> we, like, <laughs> wrote down, like, vague through lines and emotional ideas and, like, the the events that needed to happen. And, like, reassembled them and reordered the entire thing um, in a way that, like, is almost crazy to think about when, when you think about the original order. And when we put it back together... It was a movie you know because it had this emotional through line and this internal consistency that it just didn't when it was in in chronological order when
0: you do a movie and you're directing is it always editing still in your mind too
1: um i think it's helpful i think it's helpful to think about editing definitely just as far as like the shots you're taking like are these going to cut together but i think as a director i do focus the most on performance Um, because I come from a theater background and because when I was acting I had the opportunity to work with some really great directors who who you know made me as an actor feel really set up for success I think it's really important to set your actors up for success and to let them know that on set like you've got their back and and you're gonna make sure their performance is good and just giving them the tools that they need to construct a good performance because I think if you have a good team in production yeah i'm thinking a little bit about editing but so is my cinematographer so is my art director you know and there's an extent to which you have to to hand them some control as difficult as that may be yeah. um and focus on what's right in front of you which to me in production is the performances
3: great mm-hmm.
0: all right we're gonna take a little break and we'll back with uh vanessa more with vanessa Hi, guys. I just want to let you know that uh, Kyle and I also have a YouTube video. It's called Kyle and Nick on Film. Check us out. We'll put the link down below. Please subscribe and comment on our films. That's Kyle and Nick on Film. Hope to hear from you. Hi, this is Nick, and I have an important message for the people that are listening from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Distant calling pictures in association with West Effect Entertainment are looking for extras for their official Z-Fest film entitled Tribulations. They are searching for any actor or actress over the age of 10 to play extras in a church scene. Any gender, any ethnicity, all are welcome. And please wear your Sunday best and look fantastic. The shoot is this Thursday, December 5th. The location will be provided. Distant Calling Pictures does not forget extras. Usually extras are not listed in official credits. Well, not to them. All extras are listed in the ending credits and first in line when new casting consideration for future projects. Please email Headshot and Resume to pictures at gmail.com. That's pictures at gmail.com if you're interested. We're grateful for any help. That's Nathan Block and previous guest Wes Johnson. Please give it a consideration and they hope to hear from you. Hey, everyone. Chris here from a dash of Science. You ever wonder how we evolved from apes, even though there's still apes around? Can't figure out why we don't have a cure for cancer or why we aren't gene splicing the hell out of everything? Maybe you find yourself wondering why we aren't going to Mars yet or how come we're not headed full throttle towards all those habitable planets that NASA's found. If any of these feel familiar to you or you just enjoy hearing about science, technology, engineering, and medicine, then come check us out. At A Dash of Science, we take these topics and put them in a chokehold until they submit, until you get all the answers you never knew you wanted. So make sure you check us out at your favorite podcasting app or visit us directly at dashofscience.com. Okay, we're back with Vanessa. Hello. So you still watch movies?
1: I still watch movies. Are you
0: Because a lot of people we work there's like I don't have the time and stuff like that. But
1: I think you have to find the time. Yeah. I think I think that like if you love it as an art form, you have to love consuming it and making it.
0: Do you and your husband go to movie theater? Oh we do, yeah. Really? I love
1: movie dates. I'm I'm totally old fashioned. I love like mo- dinner in a movie, is like my favorite date. Yeah I I love movies I do do. And I love movie theaters I love You know I know that It is sometimes nice To just You know Snuggle up with the dogs In a blanket And watch it at home But like I love going to the movies Like going in the dark theater And the popcorn And all that I love it
2: there's something yeah. special about not grabbing your phone. Yeah, like I I like being in the theater for that reason. That like it, it, the movie has to be really bad if mm-hmm. I start like you know kind of like thumbing at my phone in my pocket. Yeah,
1: like, and- yeah. It's I think it's really immersive. It's um well and as a theater lover, right? It's more like going to the th- the theater um where yeah. it's a it's a whole experience. It's a whole thing. So no,
0: you don't have to name it. But have you ever walked out of a movie? Yes have you really y- yeah have you had it? just like that's it i, I walked thought, out twice actually now i
2: wanted her to name them
1: <laughs> uh from the same film oh J- what you came back <laughs> Django unchained yeah wow. i walked out twice. it is a long
2: movie i could see you going back uh in no the i
1: walked out and then <laughs> i knew the guy working at the theater and he's like a good so i went back in and i was like no left <laughs> again so yeah i walked out of Django unchained twice hmm.
2: kyle have you ever not out film, of a theater. Not out of a the theater. No. Um, I have, and
0: As I've mentioned this critic, before, you've done, like you've I've had to put it, I mean, you, I mean, being a film critic, you're like, I'm going to do yeah. it. Yeah. In
2: the last six years, it's kind of like if like I came here so I could write about this. Yeah. So like I have to finish it. And I feel like if, like if I leave, I can't write about it because I've had many movies with a terrible hour, first hour and a half and a great 30 minutes that either, you know, even elevates it bad to okay. Yeah. Um, the only one in my mind I can recall that I rented brought home, and did not finish, because I've told you before, if I rent a movie or even if I start it, I've got to finish it. Monitoring I'm never going to do it. Even if it's streaming, I'm like, I'm finishing it, um, is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, wow. And I don't, like, I just never have gotten the chance to just sit down and start it over again. All right. So ever since it came out, I just, I did not dig it. And, and I was watching it with my parents, too, and they absolutely didn't dig it. <laughs> so they just brought it back.
0: It's one of those movies that's got a bunch of accolades. People celebrate. It's one of the best movies of all time. They're just not going to get it from me. I think it's all right. Yeah.
1: I, it's I, fine. Yeah.
0: I, I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'm sorry. You're just not going to get it from me. Go right, celebrate it and get all the awards you yeah, want. Yeah, definitely. You're not going to get it from me. Yeah. it just It's hard. Right. I think people, especially if you disagree on something, I think that's the greatest movie ever. You're like,
1: eh. Well, it's funny because my friends always want to hear what I think about a movie until I disagree <laughs> with them. Yep. If I like it, they're like, oh, tell me all the reasons you like it. Because I'll, you know, I'll use like. Film theory to talk about Why something's good or bad But the second I use film theory To tell them that something That they like is not good Or not well made or something They're like Well it's just like your opinion man (laughs) I'm
3: like okay
1: Um, And they just really like Refuse to acknowledge That there are things that make a film well made or not like and I think it's fine to like something that's bad I love bad movies like I love a lot of bad movies Mm -hmm. um, but I also am not going to turn around and tell you that they're good because I love them I'm going to say I love them even though they're bad and I think there's movies that are good that I don't Enjoy, you know, right. we, and I think that that's an okay division to make.
2: We've talked about this before, too. Yeah. Like, even just like I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, I love Star Wars, but I will be the first person to admit there's some bad Star Wars movies, there's some like really flawed Star Wars movies. That's a whole and flawed thing, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, I can love them, but I think in order to truly love something, you do have to be able to point out the faults, in it. Absolutely. and it's I'm, okay to see them. You yeah,
1: know? one of my favorite movies is The Fifth Element, and I'm a feminist, and that movie's like the epitome of Sexy Born Yesterday, and I still love it. I I admit that it is Emblazoned with Sexy Born Yesterday But I love it anyway
0: I like Gary Oldman's response I have no idea what I was doing (laughs) (laughs) He did an interview He goes you were in the fifth element I have no idea They told me I had to wear this And I I still don't know what I was doing
1: He's so brilliant in that movie (laughs) I know uh,
2: <laughs> Maybe that's the key. Just don't tell your actors what they're doing. No. <laughs> just, yeah, just be like... Just give them the lines and just say, read this part. Just go for it. Yeah. Give it a shot.
0: He has one great movie from the 90s that is, kind of went away, but it was phenomenal. I think it, Romeo is Bleeding. Oh, I and haven't seen it. It gets confused because there's a martial arts movie called Romeo Must, Must Die. die. Yep. But Romeo is Bleeding is one of his best movies as he's this, this corrupt cop that's juggling... All this stuff that's going to eventually just fall apart.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: He's trying to be good, and trying to he's double dealing, and all that stuff. And eventually, is this gonna all collapse? It's a house of cards. It's, we know the story,
2: and he's perfect for that.
1: Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's a tremendous performer
2: he's the, the sh- he's the where's Waldo of performers like you joke, don't know he's in the movie half the time right. and you're like oh that's him
1: that's Gary my <laughs> joke with him was like I mean he finally won an Oscar didn't he Darkest for Darkest hour. Hour. yep finally yeah. but it was like you know all these people were like oh this person this person I was like Gary Oldman's too good to win an Oscar because you don't even know when he's in a movie <laughs>
2: yeah I mean I think he yeah. uh, originally wasn't credited for Hannibal when he appeared in Hannibal, he
1: didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he wanted it not advertised that it was him. Yeah, in the movie. And oh, I think wow. now in like He's
2: re-releases, they put the name in there oh, too. Yeah. And like then when you cool. hear the voice and you're like, oh, it is him. Yeah. Oh, now I can't unsee it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You
0: know when his hair is out of place, it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just running through them in my head now. Give me a few Beautiful. seconds. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm I can't, um, the. Uh, Nelly Portman when she was a kid. The
1: professional. Me. Yes. I love uh, that movie. Luke Luc Besson is a director. I mean, until Lucy after that, he's dead to me. But like uh, La Femme Nikita <laughs> and the Professional and I think
0: it's something else in French, if the like professional in English, but we call it something else. Oh uh, with, with Leon the Professional, Leon the professional. Leon. Yeah.
1: And then um, and then the fifth element, those three movies. Just, oh so much love for those movies.
0: He, did, I mean the the one the Joan of Arc movie he did.
1: It was all right. The Messenger. Yeah. I didn't actually see that one. Um, okay. I probably should. It's but. like
0: not really a Luke Besson movie. I think he just got yeah. hired to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But those three movies are like top. But the prof- that
0: has I use that re- rewatchable scale. Mm-hmm. The professional is high on rewatchable
1: Yeah, yeah. That one I I own and watch probably once a year. I love that movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is there some movies that you religiously will watch all the time? I,
1: I don't know. I think when I was little, I watched a lot of things on repeat. Um, I think I do a little less now um, just because of the busyness thing, right? And if mm-hmm. I'm going to see something, I'll try to watch something new. Uh, the Alien films, I will rewatch as as a set probably once every couple years. years. Um, I the, think
0: it's funny with the beginning of Alien. is
2: all just showing off the set, right? Yeah. Movie, yeah.
0: Look. Isn't this pretty impressive? It's like no acting, no The character. only oh, yeah. action
2: in that movie at the first 5 minutes is people waking up. <laughs> right, right. Slowly. Let's, let's
0: move the camera down the hallway. Let's
2: show off the set.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Which that is one all a
0: good way to do a movie, mm-hmm. but
1: Uh, I also like Yeah, I I rewatch those. I rewatch The Fifth Element and The Professional. Uh That those might be uh, Zoolander gets rewatched a lot in my house. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like my favorite bad movie.
3: Right, oh, we yeah. talked about our bad movie. The wife and I did Not a little wine two. drinking night for yeah. Zoolander the other night. Not, and it was part, quite two. Not part two. Oh, the first part one. two is awful. First oh. one was great.
1: Um, and then every once in a while, like a good chick flick. I love the Cutting Edge, Thirteen yeah. Going on Thirty, some of those. Yeah,
0: Thirteen. To, I remember that.
1: That yeah, Jennifer Garner and Mark Jennifer. Ruffalo and right yeah, and it's adorable.
0: Yeah. She does these cooking videos on her Facebook page you watch them.
1: I don't. I am i don't have a lot of loyalty to certain actors or certain directors. Like, they've all let me down here or there. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think except it's except for the ones that
2: have only made one movie and you like that one movie, you're like, the next one's going to have to let right. me down. Right. Like,
1: the director of Winter's Bone only does documentaries besides Winter's Bone. So I can say that they're a great narrative director because they only directed Winter's Bone. Oh, wait, that was a good movie. <laughs> it was a beautiful movie. Jennifer Lawrence was in it. Yeah, it was like, when, Yeah. Yeah. Before she was, was I mean
2: before everybody Before remained.
1: she was before she was big. Um, yeah, and and I think it was better that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, pre J Law yeah. Jen. Yeah. Pre
1: J Law Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence. Yeah. No, I loved Winter's Bone was great.
2: Is there
0: like a, somebody that no matter what they're if other than Gary Oldman, if they're in the movie, you're gonna go see her?
1: Probably Shia LaBeouf. Okay.
2: If yeah. he's in the movie, you're going?
1: Yeah. I love I think he's I think he's the true artist.
2: Have you caught his two films this year?
1: Uh I have not yet seen uh peanut butter falcon but i just saw honey boy yeah the other i saw night. honey boy on friday yeah it was just marvelous marvelous artistic yeah. bravery it's wild
2: and when you when you know that he wrote it and that it's based on and his right life and like child, i was it's like just...
1: it's to play your own abusive father in a film like
2: just yeah I mean
1: it's it's art right that's what I love about him it's not just it's not just a movie it's I mean yes he made Transformers so I'm not saying that everything he's touched is amazing um but he as an actor is an artist and I really love
2: I really love that he's one of the rare performers where I think you could make a documentary on him making each one of his films and it would be watchable like the stories he tells about Honey Boy where he said he had his dad didn't when he when he approached his dad to get the rights you know to to portray him he didn't want to tell him that he was playing him so he said mel gibson is playing you in the movie <laughs> like because he wanted he wa- his dad was like who's gonna play me is it gonna be someone good mel G- gibson's gonna play you and just like going through that kind of process or when he showed the film to his dad finally he didn't want to sit in the room with him yeah so he watched his dad on a webcam watch uh, the movie okay. and yeah and said i have no interest in hearing your review i just want to see you watch the movie wow and it's like now that's a documentary I'd like yeah, to check out. It's yeah. just uh, Shia on Shia. He's just
1: he's just a, he's an artist. He's mm-hmm. a fascinating artist.
0: Um, when you do movies, do you make other the actors or anything watch other movies or something like that? Like if you did the movie Witch or nothing, or do no, you don't have the time to do? Um, to-
1: occasionally. Uh, actually, when I directed or Beauty, just like a list, like when I directed is- Beauty and the Beast, the musical, I gave yeah. everybody movie homework. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But for for the films I do, every once in a while, yeah, I'll be like, oh, look at this performer, look at that. Um, I have a friend who has been in a lot of my films that I was just honestly like working on his acting skills with him, and so I was like, you should watch these few movies and uh and watch this character and see how they do it. But I think that um for me like as far as character work goes like I do a lot of it when I do films probably more than a lot of directors do like we do rehearsals we talk about backstories we um, we do trust exercises between performers like I really want all of the like internal emotional work to be done before we get to set because on set there's so many other things there's so many distractions there's so many like we're gonna have to adapt your blocking to this space because we're a low budget company we haven't gotten into the space before today Um, and so like for them to know inside and out what needs to be happening internally so that also I can give shorthand direction on set I don't have to be like okay so like now you're thinking about your mom who died it's like I can say hey do that faster and they'll motivate it internally thinking about their mom who died because we already talked about that you know what I mean yeah Yeah. um so so every once in a while I'll give I'll give film homework um as part of that sort of character work process
3: yeah
0: it's it's kind of hard when um I notice a lot of other directors. It's kind of hard when you get everybody on set, and you, but it's hard to talk about other movies that they like. Well, <laughs> and I Marty, think, t- Marty says they always talk about. It. He gets distracted because everybody wants to talk old movies and him being a teacher and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I
1: think too, you don't ever want your actor to be doing an impression of someone else. You know, you right. want them to be doing something the way that they do it. I think that's the only way for it to be real. You know, speaking
0: yeah. of, Marty, Marty said that to uh, Kate Check because yeah. he was supposed to play uh, Hepburn. Yeah, in the Aviator. And she was just doing an impersonation. And he right. pretty much screamed at her. You're not Catherine Hepburn. You're never going to be it. Right. Be yourself playing Catherine Hepburn.
1: Exactly. And I think that it's it's really easy working with less experienced actors, too. If you say, go watch Bruce Willis, they're going to come back and give you a Bruce Willis impression. They're not going to give you Bruce Willis's unique combination of vulnerability and badassery. Yeah, right? they're going to
0: come back with a shaved head. And, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so I think sometimes you have to be careful Based on who you're working with, that you don't give them so much that they give you an impression of a feeling instead of a feeling.
2: Yeah, so. that's right. why you just show them like 20 Gary Oldman films because it's <laughs> never the same, and that way they just pick one of them and go with it. Definitely. No, I think I think uh, viewing for tone is always what I've been you know kind of like led Mm. to believe it's like you know here are the films tonally that we're trying to achieve because I I agree with you if you show one specific filmmaker Mm -hmm. or one specific performer yeah you're you're never going to be able to drive out and then you might have five different people connecting with that one performer and even if it's subconsciously you know yeah so like going for tone might be the best way about it because you can show a wide berth and then just get out of there you know
1: it's funny that you mentioned Gary Oldman because we used to do that as like a joke on film sets. Like when someone was like kind of getting stuck in a performance, I think sometimes too, the best thing to do is like laugh it off and reset a oh, little yeah. bit. And so I would like sit down and like really seriously like look into their face and be like, "I just, I th- really think you should do it more like Gary Oldman would do it." And that was like in what in everything, right? And we would do, we would do that like <laughs> just to get people like to sh- like laugh and like shake it out a little yeah. bit. Um, so. That, but I used I, I need to, that used. That was go like a really Nicolas common, Cage like, on do it like Gary Oldman would do it. <laughs> um, so, <yeah.
0: laughs> do you think it's a benefit? And obviously, yes, of being an act, doing acting, and then directing.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's a benefit for sure. I think that I can pretty easily put myself in the shoes of like what kind of questions did I want answered when I was an actor? What what kind of direction was helpful to me? What kind of treatment and uh, conversations and things were helpful to me when I was an actor? I think yeah. that that was really – I think that that's a really great jumping off point as a director. I think that you get – it becomes a drawback if you assume that everyone's just like you. I think – so my husband's a therapist, and we always joke that our jobs are really similar um, because so much of it is like – Learning the person's particular <laughs> dysfunction and like tailoring how you communicate with them to them. Um, right.
0: I, I'm somebody who provides many different options, and for people, it ticks them off. Right. Yeah.
1: I'm like, you can come, you can do
0: this, you can do this, and do mm-hmm. this. And like, then pretty much I've been told, just tell me what you want, and right. I'll do it. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that like some people, uh, yeah, you just have to tell them. Some people, you'll get a really great response if you ask something as a question instead of give it as a direction. Some people uh, want very external direction. They want to get their physicality down and their emotional fall. You know, so I think that like as a jumping off point, starting off as an actor myself was really helpful. Um, But I, you know, I think that as you grow, you have to grow how you communicate with people and, and realize that, well, that was really helpful for me, but it's not helpful for everybody. I was a super neurotic actor. I have my old scripts and I would take notes on like what word I'm stepping down on my left foot on. Like I was so meticulous. Um, And I just kind of internalized that meticulousness until it was second nature, which is how they say Anthony Hopkins does uh, acting, right? He just internalizes every tiny detail until it's second nature to do it. But there's some people who like if they internalize that much, nuance then it becomes robotic right yeah and they need freedom to to shake it out a little and so i think that uh you know it's a lot of thinking on your feet and um kind of reading people and trying to learn how to communicate with this actor specifically versus the their co-star versus someone else (laughs)
0: um you just recently directed a play
1: yes i did i directed who's afraid of virginia wolf congratulations thank you Uh,
0: what trends you from doing film now doing a
1: play uh you know it's 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 tough um i love them both so much uh as art forms i think that there's so many good things about either um and i think that it's like uh, sometimes people are like well you should pick and then you could just focus on one but i think that they speak to each other in a lot of ways i think that they speak to each other from places of being completely opposite film is like trying to stop time it's trying to create this like perfectly constructed moment and then and then have that moment as a puzzle piece in your film, right?
0: You just explained the movie The Lighthouse. <laughs> it's closed environment. I don't I think loved- anything lives off that. It's like on an island, right? Right. And it's right. in this little world.
1: Yeah. And I time loved- is
0: irrelevant and it's just showing a little story. But- I loved
1: The Lighthouse. Uh, yes. <laughs> a great right, film. Yeah. But but yeah, it's all, about, it's all about yeah creating a little piece and then using it to construct a greater story. And yeah. And you have so much control over every element, or you can if that's your style. And theater is Totally opposite Theater is Completely immediate It is And
0: the reason why I ring the lighthouse Is people like Oh that's one set Two mm -hmm. actors You could totally Put that in a play I don't think You can put that movie Translate well Into a play Because
1: it was so Because it was so particular And with theater There's there's so little control. There's so many factors every day that are outside of your control, how the audience reacts. um, Does this prop work? Does this light die in the middle? Do do your (laughs) actors, are they in a good mood? Are they having a good day? Are they feeling each other? Theater is so different every time. It's, it's so fleeting and it's so immediate and so gone and film is so present and in front of you and sort of in caps encapsulatable. Um so I love that that's I love that they're so different in that way. And I think you can construct something that's so enjoyable to watch as it's fleeting in front of you and then you can construct something that's so enjoyable to watch as it's sort of this little time capsule in front of you. And I think that um knowing how to do one very well informs how to do the other very well. So I think it's really important for me at least to do both good i think I think
0: it's two different disciplines, yeah, it's almost like drawing on your opposite hand almost a little yeah, bit yeah definitely mm-hmm. um with who's afraid of Virginia wolf why why with that script why that story
1: ah uh, well i so I loved the movie ironically <laughs> um. So I had actually wanted to do a different show um, and the rights weren't available. It originally was a play.
0: Then they made it into a
1: movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I had wanted to do a show called Arcadia and the rights were unavailable. And so I was like, well, I already set aside this time to do a play. I'm going to do a play uh, because I'm kind of a trend. I'm kind of my friends joke that I'm the Vanessa train. Right. You just don't. Stop me. You just get on board and I keep going. Are you
0: kind of like the people like if you f- go out to your car but you like forget something the house you're not going to go back and get it. You're just going uh, to Oh Yeah, I'm like
1: I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah. this was like I already set aside this time to make a play. I'm going to do a play and so Virginia Woolf which I had never read before was on a bunch of top 10 lists and oh, yeah. I was like all right well I'll watch the movie and I loved the movie. I love Elizabeth Taylor um, so much and so the movie of course I, I just thought was amazing and I love I love like enmeshed fucked up interpersonal dynamics um if you watch my films you will see a lot of those i love exploring those and so that's the whole show and i and i it was my first time doing a play independently of a theater company it was going to be done by me myself and i and my friend abigail who who is my sort of partner in crime and a lot of things i do and so i was like well it's four people. It's one room. It'll be so easy <laughs>
2: uh, down
1: the look to either. light and to make a set for. Her. And then I sat down to block it, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what did I get myself <laughs> into?" It's four people That's, in a room. Yeah, it's only for four. Three hours talking, um, but yeah, it was it was the the content and the themes, and then sort of the uh, immediate thought that it would be logistically simple um, that drew drew me to it, and then. Oh.
0: This is it's uh, Robert Hughes, uh, art critic, always says it's the seduction of simplicity. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I also Kathy Kathy Kopiecki, who played Martha, is an actress that I had worked with a couple times before, but I'd never gotten to direct her in a lead role. And I did. Martha I did. Is the older woman? Mar- the, yeah, yeah, Martha, who Elizabeth Taylor played. I want to say like out loud. I did hold fair and square auditions, and she did have the best audition. But I just when I saw that for the first time, I was like. I want to direct Kathy playing this part. Um, And I and I hoped that she would audition and I hoped that she would be the best choice because in my mind, I could just see it so clearly. And so um, uh, the opportunity to work with her, but also to work with whatever actors we ended up with. And we ended up with four really talented actors on such a complicated, heavy, dense, difficult script. Um, You know, I love Kathy collaboration um with actors i think that is something i carry away from maybe having been a performer that experience is is so great and so cool and so i think i really wanted to to do something that i could really sink my teeth into and and collaborate with a group of a small group of actors on sort of pulling this story out of this dense text
0: what do you think they're doing what what in the story what are they doing the older couple
1: yeah oh well we had i mean we had a whole thing um are we we there's
0: there's so many essays about people writing words.
1: yeah are we do, are we doing like a spoiler alert I'll do a spoiler well,
0: I think alert it's I'll old enough them that people just say
2: spoiler alert in case
1: I'll spoiler alert in case if you haven't seen the show go just go watch the movie or go see go a production watch this, of it and then the back. show come well, back you, um,
0: you know Liz and Richard they were married
1: yeah well they, they, and, they and I think they were divorced when married they and divorced and married again yeah <laughs> we
2: know we watched uh, the lifetime movie. so one of
1: the things <laughs> one of the things um with a show like that is that you you almost have to just decide that you're not going to explore every possible avenue, right? right? All those essays, right? There were some, we sat down and did like a table work really close to the beginning where everybody, we just sat and talked about the play and, oh, well, I read this and I read that. And there were some things that I was just like, that's just not what we're doing. That That's not how I feel about it. That's not what we're going to say happened. Yeah. So there's like, did George kill his parents? Did he not kill his parents? If For, for the sake of our production, we decided that he didn't right or there's there's honey and like did she have a miscarriage or was it a hysterical pregnancy and in our case we decided it was hysterical pregnancy right, right. some of those things it was like yes there's seven essays that say yes and seven essays that say no we're just saying yes and it, and it doesn't mean that the audience even needs to know what your answer is but I think you need to know what your answer is <laughs> okay. and so for us as far as what was the older couple doing I mean I think I thought a lot about Martha feeling trapped by her circumstance, right? It's the 60s. She's a s- strong woman. She's a strong, mentally ill woman who has absolutely no opportunity in the world. And, oh. and you know, she's the daughter of the president of the university who... And they're living on college campus right? Where they see change all the time. Right, and and who wants her to marry someone who can run the college when she should run the college, right? Yeah. And And she marries someone in the hopes that they will and they don't. And I think with her, it's like, okay, so there's this way that she could affect the world, but she's not going to just because she's a woman. Okay, so then they're gonna have a family, right? And then they can't have kids, right? It's just with her, there's so many failures and and we we focused our production a lot on the mental illnesses of characters. And with her, I think that she's uh, you know, we decide, okay, well, she's manic, right? She has manic depression. And so those Big swings up. I think those... would,
0: nowadays they probably would label that something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And so, in terms of her, you just have a character who, all of these coping mechanisms that would have been available to her, twenty years later, thirty years later, don't exist because it's the '60s. And so, you have a an intelligent, like a fiercely intelligent person who's just wasting away in this empty life. You know. Right. And I think that with them and the games that they play. Right. It's yeah.
0: The, yeah. yeah. The, it's
1: to, it's, it's just what they're saying. It's to walk out their wits. It's to practice, it's to practice those, those intelligences and it, and it is resentment and it is this way to express how angry they are at the failures that aren't really either of their fault, you know? Yeah. And I think that, so there's a lot of that. And, and then at some point the line between fantasy and reality stopped being clear and, yeah, as, I,
0: I always perceived it that way. Right, that they don't really know what Ex- was true exactly, and I think, is, yeah.
1: and I think f- for our production, we decided George, George, is to mental illness as, you know, someone who abuses alcohol is to alcohol. Right, he's not an alcoholic; he just abuses it. Whereas Martha is to mental illness as an alcoholic is to alcohol. She she yeah. can't help it. He sort of flirts with it because he loves someone who happens to be mentally ill you know and so our thought was that he sort of one day was like we have to get this line back this line has to be clear especially at the point where in the play she's telling other people that they have a son that doesn't exist you know yeah. tell him about the boy Martha right <laughs> and I think with him what we decided was that's that's what makes because I was like why why this night why is this play about this night what makes this night different and we decided
0: because it's that it was that gender-
1: Genuinely the first time that she has told anyone else that they have a son, and he sees the the danger in that slope and he sees how much worse they can get. And so he decides out of out of kindness and out of malice to put an end to it. Yeah. Um and I think that uh and I think that we talked a lot about where that the idea of the sun would have come from right we talk about Martha as like okay so they can't have kids so maybe she had a couple of miscarriages right and miscarriages even today are something that are incredibly alienating for for mm. a couple and in the 60s even more so because no one talked about reproductive health no. and so they don't have anyone else they can rely on no avenue to all right and mm-hmm. she's in one of her manic lows and and can't get out of bed for a week um, because she's so upset and and George comes in and and kind of tells this fairy tale of this kid right well we did have a boy and he was blonde and he was this and he was that and in her sort of depressive state she latches on to that and I think as we decided sort of as their marriage went on as their relationship went on as those depressions went up and down in some of those downswings this kid got talked about more and more sort of as a way to pull her out of it. Yeah, and And then it became real. And so I think what George sees when she's telling someone else about the kid is like, that was the top of a slippery slope that they went on together, right? And they made that decision. But the second they're at the top of another slope like that, he doesn't have to make the decision to go down it again. <laughs> yes. So that was our sort of... It's
0: thick, isn't Concept. it? Concept, yeah, it's yeah. massively thick of themes and everything.
1: Right, right, and there's and there's so much cruelty. I think that's the thing that's so tricky about it is like everything we're describing is actually fairly sentimental, right? The actor we had playing George, uh, Gary David Keast, is is he was a really he's a sensitive actor. He can put a lot of vulnerability and a lot of emotion into intellectual cruel lines um yeah. but that the thing about the play that's so tricky is that everybody's so cruel and everybody's intellectual and everybody's vulgar and everybody's you know and yeah. I think that's what makes the play stand out is that is that it's got no soft edges it doesn't pull any oh edges. no yeah I think mm-hmm. even the
0: film is lit very hard
1: right you get you know it's it's a very sharp play and everybody <laughs> gets sort of pierced by something at some point um and so it's yeah, it's, 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 it hurts. <laughs> it, it
0: does. I think it does. I think it, it, and you can imagine 40 years from now watching something like that. Yeah. Completely yeah. eviscerated 50s
3: culture. Well, it's it
1: was like, so <laughs> funny though, because like I, the biggest compliment I had was that um, the second Saturday of the show, I had a bunch of friends come see it and we we're like, oh yeah, you want to go afterwards? And they're like, I need to go home and take a nap and, and get a hug. Like the <laughs> fact that, the fact that it, we could make something that was emotionally exhausting to watch. Yeah. Um I thought it was a very high compliment. So <laughs> you went back
2: into your your room and you're like, yes, I
1: was, yeah, I made people suffer. Um, <laughs> Take away their fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they thought they were going to the theater to enjoy themselves. <laughs> Jokes on you. Um, so yeah, I think uh, yeah, it was a great it was a great experience. Um, I think for me, like storytelling as as a concept is like the most divine thing that we do as people right because it brings people together on both sides it brings people together in telling the story and in experiencing the story consuming the story and i think that that's the thing the primary thing that film and theater have in common
0: I think the very hard it's very hard to write something that people will be emotionally attached to. Mm-hmm. Depressing, mm-hmm. sad, or happy, or something right, like that. It's, right. You can be a great dialogue and all this stuff, but if nobody has an emotional connection to it, right? If nobody yeah.
1: cares, then why are we here? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so. I've, I've watched many movies that like this is academically a sound movie, but yeah. I just don't care. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, that is like a my sort of litmus test for casting as well. Um, I have, I have had really like technically proficient actors audition for me and they sort of do everything right. They hit the right beats, but I'm like, I don't feel anything when you do this. And to me, that's the thing that you can't fix. If, if you're working with a greener actor, but they make you feel a lot of things, you know, you can, you can help them hit the right beats. If someone's hitting all the right beats and you're not feeling anything, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I guess we're done here. (laughs) So...
0: And that's how I feel about uh, Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think it's shot wonderful. I think it. I mean, it's a lot of accolades to the old films mm-hmm. It's costuming, and but I just don't feel anything when yeah. I watch it. I don't mm-hmm. like. Yeah.
1: I I drive my cinematographer or one of the cinematographers I work with primarily nuts because uh, there are times when I've used a shot with like a focus issue in it or like a, a a pan that's not as smooth because it's the one with the best performance, and they're like, but it's it's out of focus for a second and I'm like I don't care
2: <laughs> so, so like yeah but all the viewers won't, will just think there's something really special about it, right <laughs> right
1: um, yeah so for me emotions always at the center always 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 I
0: remember watching uh, Robert De Niro on at Actors studio interview mm. and they asked him was what is the what is the key and he goes it's simple it feels right that's yeah. it all the technical stuff if it doesn't feel right then we have to keep doing it yeah and once it feels
2: right then we're done
1: definitely yeah. Definitely.
2: I just wonder how dirty Grandpa felt, right? For him, like, <laughs> like I, or, you know.
1: I, I think now this is something as we're I'm going on curious. about all <laughs> these like tense like sad <laughs> yeah. thing I think that there is emotional value in comedy. I Definitely.
2: Think, I no. think that maybe making not that people <laughs>
1: laugh is just as valuable as making people cry. That's hard, isn't it? It is. It I, is. I, I,
0: I'm still. I'm. I write my. I. I don't think I could do. That's tough yeah to make people laugh that is hard
1: it is hard and yeah. i and i love comedy like i go when i'm going to see something that's funny like i go in wanting to laugh i'm like you every opportunity that i have to laugh i want to laugh and so if you're not making me laugh like you're doing a really bad job i'm an easy comedy audience Like <laughs> i'm
2: already laughing walking into the theater just right. hoping that i can create that moment definitely
1: you know? <laughs> definitely yeah laugh i think i think comedy is hard and mm-hmm. And it's it's hard, uh, especially as we realize that a lot of the comedy that we used to have was based on some maybe outdated thoughts about gender or races of people. Like yeah. as we move into like new comedy, what is what is funny now, and and how do we create new comedy for ourselves? Um, yeah, I think it's tricky.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you still um, with the film? in theater are you gonna still go back or are you gonna teeter-totter or something
1: i I'm, I'm gonna teeter-totter i'm gonna right. do both <laughs> yeah. i mean there's i'm i'm the resident director at saint matthew community theater and we do a musical every spring and i don't intend to stop doing that anytime soon um and with the success of virginia wolf um and how many people were like oh, i would see another thing like that oh i would act in another thing like that i think that um I think that I'm not done with theater anytime soon and then and then film is like I I'm literally like have like five projects in post right now and like two in pre-production. I'm always making films. It's like one of the greatest compliments I ever received Was from my friend's father in high school As we yep. were not doing meth um, <laughs> We were Not doing Breaking Bad uh, <laughs> We were we were making a film at their house They lived in the country And there was my actress Nikki Walking up the driveway In like a white dress covered in blood um, And he sort of looked at her And sort of looked at my friend and I And was like you know Every day the sun will rise and Vanessa will make movies. And that is still true. (laughs) I think maybe specifically he said Vanessa will make horror movies, but I've actually never made a horror movie. so (laughs) I don't think that counts. Well, I think
0: it's hard. Like, I met people that are like, I'm just make movies. You want to put a genre to it, fine. Mm -hmm. I think um, the Coen Brothers are like that. Is it a comedy? I don't know. Yeah. And to them like you think it's funny? I don't right? yeah. I don't think they ever regarded Big Lebowski as a comedy. Yeah. They just wanted to do their own version, like the big sleep, like yeah. Much Ado About Nothing or yeah. whatever like that.
2: Yeah. Well I or, think the yeah. same thing about like Fargo with them. Like Fargo is more comedic if you live here.
3: You but know? I think
1: <laughs> I think with comedy, like if you're playing things as comedy, they are less likely to be funny than if you play them 100% serious and they happen to be funny things. You know what I mean? I
3: agree. Yeah. Like my- if
1: I'm making a joke and I do my tone like this because I know it's a joke, that's not funny as much as if I say it perfectly straight face and it's completely ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Right. Yeah. 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 One of my all time favorite com- comic actors is Leslie Nielsen. Like, <laughs> and he has, he never ever played it for comedy no like he was always Speaking the most Bram serious Sorger's person Dracula,
1: Dracula Dead and Loving It was
2: I, I love that movie I'm sorry a wonderful I film <laughs> I, I rented that one when I was uh, yeah, probably demo. six years yeah, old yeah, yeah yeah they
1: see there's quality
2: at six More years blood. old I rented that one though and I remember watching it thinking it was going to be a horror movie that happened way too many times. Like my my single you digit, youth, gonna be I rented so many movies I thought were going to be horror movies, and they turned yeah. out not to be like Mars attacks. Like I was <laughs> t- taking them home, like oh, I'm going to get so scared.
1: Uh, a thriller scared me really badly when I was little. The, the Michael the Jackson music video. Music video. Like, okay. yeah. yeah, I was terrified because I saw it when I was like four.
2: Yeah. And then they started dancing in your old. I was game. still terrified. Oh. Yeah, because they were dancing in sync. If they were dancing separately in their own corners, that's fine. But like they were, they all like. Well, they were all dancing toward me.
1: I was like,
0: no. That was a big deal when it. They had an MTB announced for weeks. We're yeah. gonna show this on this such and such day, and that's not. I mean, there are some towns that didn't even have cable. Yeah. So you like
2: had to find your friend or like who's got cable, so mm-hmm. you can drive there and watch this twelve minute movie yeah when it was kind of a rarity too because you don't have you don't usually like everyone's different but you don't usually especially during that time have a feature director yeah. move to a music video you have usually yeah. like the kind of line of sight is people do a lot of music videos and kind of will swing into features yeah. and it wasn't a scene that like you didn't move that direction and you know thankfully that's not as like cut and dry as it used to be but like john landis didn't do a 15 minute music video yeah it's not what he does you know so it's kind of weird that when you get someone who does that kind of work
0: that outfit um, the thrill outfit with the red jacket yeah. is at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's mm. awesome. And so if you ever go there, and I highly recommend it even if you're like film, but the music, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they have a whole floor dedicated to outfits. Yeah. And that is on an outfit. When I went there, I went there like 2002, but right next to it is Bruce Springsteen's outfit for the Born in USA tour, which is a simple Amazing. t-shirt <laughs> and blue jeans. Yeah. And the red cap in the back. I'm like, that totally represents the 80s right there. Yep. <laughs> Either go all, all out, or you just yeah <laughs> I love
1: I love music I think music informs film and storytelling a great deal I listen to music a lot when I'm writing or when I'm editing
0: really yeah mm-hmm. because we we
2: just we talk about Fred, how we like silence but for you if you want are to be you a, a creative, are you a lyrical man. listener though or like do you like a score
1: lyric uh, well
2: both because uh, I'm checking I'm a score really listener.
1: good really good score is good but lyrical for me like I love and I I this is like I when I make music videos, I really love that uh, music and music videos both are sort of style over substance. And so you get to go sort of full ham into the artistic side Mm -hmm. of it. And these things that are like a little ridiculous and a little over the top, but like within the context of music, they're not. And so I think that you can kind of sort of take those like big, broad brushstrokes and then sort of fine tune them into writing or into editing. I, uh, I have no sense of musical timing. When I took voice lessons, I could not rest. It's because I
0: we can't do, hear out of one ear?
1: No, I just don't have a, I was like... You That's know, what be she like says. A, no? There'd be like a two beat rest and I'd be like in my head, like two beats... So that feels like two beats Close and enough. just, like, I can't, I can't like one, two, three, four and like keep it the same no, tempo. I don't,
0: I, I, I as um, a drummer in a band, I had no rhythm <laughs> and they would tell me, you
2: are absolutely the worst. You're like it. the jazz flutist the, of Yeah, yeah. They would like just get louder and louder and it's like. No, oh. <laughs> I had, I had anxiety attacks
0: watching Whiplash because I was like exactly <gasps> what, are you, what are you doing?
2: Or yeah. Like,
1: You're like, I don't
2: know, I'm sorry. you slow, I
1: don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I will edit with music a lot to really? give myself a, a, at least a sense of tempo to start from and then i can take the music away and, and fine tune it from there but yeah i i love working with music i think music uh is very tied into to film and theater for mm-hmm. me
0: i'll give you a little clue before i start working on my comic book i will always listen to tools later nice mm-hmm. because i think it's a movie it starts slow mm-hmm. and then it gets heavy and then it kind of trails off and i always think that musical tempo and that song is more like a movie it has a little intro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like a movie than anything. And it starts, it, that's how I get started. It's like a, all right, I'm a cup of coffee and relax. And that's how the song <laughs> starts. And then, all right, we're time to get to work. And Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you have favorite bands before you listen?
1: Favorite bands? Do you already
0: just, you throw anything out there? Dirty? Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I kind of listen to like whatever fits the okay. sort of mood mm. of what I'm working on. Right. Uh, the twilight soundtracks do quite a bit for me. Whoever, whoever was the music director on those films should have been paid a lot more. Um, I love Taylor Swift. I love Billie Eilish. I love Lana Del Rey. I think like female vocalists who are like sadly pretty <laughs> do a lot for me. When they
0: look like a hot mess and you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's my life. is CEO. That's how I look on the
1: inside. Um, yeah i think i think that that does a lot for me <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: well vanessa i have to say thanks for coming yeah thanks it. for That's having it. me as your first time being on a podcast how'd it go
1: uh it wasn't so bad it wasn't so bad <laughs> i don't know if i said anything of substance but it wasn't bad
0: <laughs> <laughs> well we have we have like you know we have i always say if you, you're good at podcasts if you're not boring De- oh, and right. you have fun
1: definitely i and had fun. I did
0: both and, fun. and all of course right. you know uh, if you have listened before, it's not over till the guest says it's over.
1: Oh I was just dragging it out because I'm enjoying it so oh, much. It. <laughs>
3: uh it's over all right. Everybody, all right, all right. <laughs>